You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. This show contains information about injuries to riders competing in AMA Supercross, AMA Motocross, MXGP, Ozpro MX, and other international moto events. The information discussed may be unsettling to some listeners. It might be incomplete or based on medical opinions due to riders tending to hide the details of their injuries. We are here to explain the information and increase injury understanding and visibility for the fans. There might be coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If any of this offends you, turn us off right now. Moto fans, I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist, and this is episode 39 of the Always Moto podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, David Hogan, the Australian physiotherapist. This is the Always Moto podcast, and we are in the depths of the clinic throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick because that's what people tell me physios do, apparently. As always on this show, we'll be going through all things moto, particularly the injuries in our sport because hashtag injuries are a part of moto. And I should probably add, unfortunately, after that. This week on the show, we'll be talking all things injuries from and the events from round four of the Australian Supercross Championship, which wrapped up last weekend there in Wagga Wagga. Uh, We'll be talking the final emergency department list for the Australian Supercross. We'll also be talking the new additions to the very start of the 2023 um, pre-season Supercross AMA list that's already got a few guys jumping onto that list, unfortunately. Been a few injuries over there in America already. Of course, we'll have Dave's diatribe, and we've got a bit of a new bit here and a new guest coming on uh, who you will be met meeting shortly here on the podcast. But bringing you this show today, as always, Polar Australia. Polar Australia and their incredible range of activity tracking and heart rating rate monitors from the H10 chest strap and their top-line GPS multi-sport watches uh, such as the Polar Grit X Pro and their all-new Ignite 3. Uh, you should be checking these things out and using them in your training and on in your riding uh, just to even track where you're going, especially that Polar Grit X Pro. I've been using it recently uh, and its navigation features are very interesting and very very awesome. Just to, if you want to go and explore a new section of trail, uh, it can help you get home, which is always a nice thing to know that you've got that uh, little device on the bars there using that bike mount that Polar has. So it's very awesome. The products from Polar are fantastic. Check out the show links, uh, show notes, uh, and you'll find the links to Polar, and you can get your product over there at Polar just in time for Christmas. And they do have, I believe, a bit of a Christmas sale going on if you check out their website. Also, thanks to Slantboard Guy. Don't forget we have an affiliate deal in place with these guys. Slantboard is offering 10% discount for Always Moto podcast listeners. So if you want to get your squats on point in the gym, 
Improve your standing technique on the bike with stronger legs. This simple equipment piece is for you. Use the code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase at checkout. Uh, and the link again is in the show notes. So go and check out Slamboard Guy. And I've been using this one um, in the lead up to my surgery that's coming up next week. I'm trying to get my hip and my leg all as you know as good as it could be, it can be, before I go back into that surgery and have to have to hit the reset button again. Uh, and the amount of different exercises I've been able to do on this little angled board is is insane. Uh, and it's been quite effective in actually helping me get my squat depth back, which I was struggling a lot with there a couple of weeks ago before that board showed up. Uh, I'm quite impressed with it. And, you know, for a small amount of money, use that discount code. It, it's making a big difference to some of the things I've been doing in the gym in my rehab part. And I can see where it's going to continue to improve things uh, you know, in normal times when I'm not injured as well. So yeah, get on board with those couple of products there, guys, for your training. Uh, it's well worth the efforts to get them into your programs. Uh, and as always, we still need your show support, generally speaking. We've got two ways to do that. You can buy a t-shirt, uh, an Always Moto t-shirt. They're available now. They're $25 plus postage and handling. Uh, we do have international dropship for our US listeners. Uh, so you can order that shirt as well. Um, and we want you to rock those t-shirts at the races so that we can get some Always Moto promotion out there in the world. Uh, so if you want a t-shirt, email us at alwaysmoto2019 at gmail.com. Put t-shirt order in the subject line and send the size you want. They do run a little small, these shirts. They're Chinese made, unfortunately. Um, so they are a bit smaller made. So you just go up one size on your order. Uh, but send that order through and then we'll get the payments, details and all that sorted out. It's payment via PayPal. Uh, and speaking of PayPal, the second option for supporting the show is a donation via PayPal. You can donate pretty much any amount you want. Um, obviously the bigger amounts are better but you can support the show so we can keep bring, putting out this awesome content and keep attending races to be able to bring you the inside information about the injuries and some other information that we get along the way so jump on the paypal send us a donation when you do send that donation through please include a question or a comment and we can read that out live on the show Let's jump into the show now and let's jump straight into, we've actually got a pre-recording that we've done uh, that, that we're going to include here um, about our Wagga Supercross wrap-up and you're going to get to meet the uh, Always Moto contractor. All right, something a little different on the Always Moto podcast uh, for this episode 39 uh, of Always Moto podcast. We're going to bring in um, the Always Moto contractor who's still waiting for his paycheck. It's uh, Big Ben. How are we doing, Ben? I'm good. How are you, Dave? Not too bad, mate. Um, we've got you on sort of on the payroll here at Always Moto, but uh, we're all still waiting for that paycheck. But uh, you were actually at Wagga Supercross for round four, for the final round for the Aussie Supercross, mate. Yes, I was. was there in, in the flesh and uh, it was a good day. It, it, yeah, it looked pretty good. Like I only got to see it on, on the 7 Plus, which I'm, I was actually impressed that the Wagga round made 7 Plus, to be honest. I, I wasn't sure that that was going to happen. Well, I'd been looking to see if it was going to be on there, and um, I think they left it really late to post that it was going to be aired. But it, yeah, it's good to see that they did air it. Yeah, I know that. Like, like the same sort of thing happened when they um uh, it was for Newcastle. It was sort of a late announcement too that that was happening, and. I wasn't sure that. I wonder if that's like a round by round thing. If they're judging how many people were actually downloading it, or if it was literally like just last minute contracts that they didn't have anything in place until the last last second before it started, sort of thing. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, well, I think uh, with the first round being aired, um, 
you know, along with World Supercross. Uh, I think the overseas people got to watch it as well. And um, and then I think there was a lot of people saying, hey, where's, you know, round two in Adelaide? Yeah, where's the rest of it? Why, yeah, why, yeah where, where's the rest of it? So uh, I think uh, I'm guessing seven put together the, the package and, yeah, continued it on for Newcastle and Wagga. Did you do like the rest of us did? There was that MX store live feed from somebody just standing beside the track with their phone film in Adelaide. Did you watch that? Because I was do- I was watching that at some point and then I was really pissed. It cut out like with maybe, I don't know, three, four laps to go on the 450 main event. And I was like, Jesus, can't even see the final finish of the race. <laughs> yeah, no, I did watch it. I got the notification came up on my phone. I was like, oh, sweet, we've got... Uh, <laughs> We've got some vision, but yeah, you know, it. Uh, thanks to them, MX Store for doing it. But yeah, it's uh, it's a lot better when it's on the TV. Oh, much easier to follow too. When it's up up a bit higher with the camera angle, the the ground level phone wasn't wasn't fantastic to see anything. No, that's right. And you know, they're trying to trying to film everything at once, and it's yeah, it's hard. It doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. But so. Wagga, so day, pretty much a day race, the whole thing, wasn't it? Because I, I gather they don't have the greatest lighting down there, but it ended up being all in the daylight. Um, what do you think of it? Yeah, so I think they turned the lights on uh, probably, must have been six maybe. I think yeah. uh, they did it after the, after the freestyle, uh, the second part of the freestyle. I think they turned them on. Did it make a difference um, at all? Like it didn't look like it on the TV. No, not. I think it was still too light to have made a difference. Um, so that's. I think that's the first Supercross I've been to that's actually been on in the daytime. The rest of them have all been at night. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a little bit different, but yeah, I don't think it was still too light for the actual stadium lights to do anything. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just. You know, I think they actually waited. They made them wait on the gate for, I think it was probably uh, race two for the 250s, and they said, wait, like, you can't go until we turn the lights on. Um, But, yeah, I don't think it really made much of a difference. Yeah, I did notice that, and I thought that's what was going on. But, yeah, doesn't... There's always that funny window in, in Aussie summertime where like the, the sun's in the, in the wrong angle and it makes it impossible to see. And I, I don't know how those guys were coping on, on the track at, at Wagga. Like they just had some pretty steep jumps there and big rhythm sections and you probably couldn't see half of it if you're facing the wrong way, you know, straight into the sunlight. Yeah, no, I think the, uh, the rhythm, rhythm section before the whoops there, uh, it was in the pretty much in the shade like in the dark sort of in the afternoon and then the corner had a little bit of sun on it. So they're going from the most of the track being in the sun to then into the shadows and then back into the sun and then you've got some shadows from the – because the jumps are so big in some spots, you've got shadows in those areas. Um, yeah, their line choice would have been – compromised by what they could see and what they couldn't see. Yeah, and at that point they're probably just taking what they remembered from the um you know from earlier in the day and not being able to see if there was actually a better line to take, you know, at some point. Yeah, that's right. And they I think either that or they're probably, you know, just following the person in front till they just get that chance when you know when they're in the light <laughs> and um 
but yeah, no, it would have been it would have been pretty sketchy, I think, with uh, ruts and the shadows and everything. I wouldn't have liked to be <laughs> riding on that, that's for sure. Well, it got pretty dusty too. At one point on the coverage, you know, they sort of had a bit of a long shot, and and you've rewatched it too. You've probably seen it, but like the whole place looked like it just had a haze hanging over it with the dust. Like it was a pretty dry track there at the end. Yeah, the uh, the dust hung around for ages. There wasn't much of a breeze. Um, which made the heat even worse through the day. Um, but, yeah, the dust just hung around after pretty much the first sort of 450 race into the second one um, for the 250s. That is when it sort of started to just hang around, um, which, again, is also when they turned the lights on. So, um, yeah, it, they put plenty of water on it before the actual night show. Like, they soaked the track. Um, but with the heat, it just dried up so quick and, um, I, you know, there's nothing they can really do about it. Uh, they had similar problems at Newey. Did, did you hear about how long out from the, the actual event they started building the track? Did you hear anything about that? Cause that's sort of what happened in Newcastle. They seemed to have a short build time. So then obviously they didn't have, have it in the ground on the, on the stadium floor for too long. So there was, you know, not enough time to just sort of put water in it over a couple of days. It was just here, quick rush. We're doing it this morning and then we're riding on it tonight sort of thing. Was it the same in Wagga? Do you know at all? Um, I think, see, they had an arena cross track there already that they bought in a heap of dirt oh. to build up, to build up on. And so I think the works were going on all week, um, but I'm not actually sure when the supercross track was not the full track was finished for them to actually start properly putting the water onto it um but yeah so a lot of that dirt was already there and been sitting there for a long time um and then yeah they've obviously added a heap of dirt to build up to the the big supercross track yeah well they did end up with a decent like track lap time um they ended up being over a minute which is pretty decent for an aussie round that is that's that's a yeah it's a decent lap time um and it was it was a massive track um big jumps you know and with the long lap time it made for good viewing um i think you know it's different to i think i don't know how long newcastle was but it was obviously a lot shorter yeah it was only Uh, 43s i think it was for the fast guys seconds lap so yeah it's, it's pretty quick lap time yeah, and I think with that too, like the the start gate and going out and around and coming in was something different, which I also hadn't seen. Um, so that going out that little bit further um, back into a fast rhythm section, uh, it gives you, you know, a few more seconds there um, and adding something different in that isn't normally on a track. Yeah, well, it kind of, I don't know about you, but when I saw it, the first pictures of it, and then, you know, seeing the, the jump sizes when I first saw the couple of laps that they did, it kind of reminded me of those Atlanta Speedway tracks from the AMA series last last few years, actually. Um, you know, where they're a bit bigger, a bit more spaced out. They seem to have, you know, a bigger triple, not just that standard sort of 65, 70 foot, whatever it ends up being. You know, it, it actually looked like they could just build bigger they had the space and it's sort of worked out that way like obviously everything you're saying track was just bigger you know just bigger all around yeah no i think they used um yeah they definitely use their space and yeah the the atlanta like the speedway jumps and that are a lot bigger um and i think the triple there was probably the biggest i've seen on a track that you know 
was right in front of people being able to you'd actually have to look back like pull your neck back and actually look up at them in the air nice um and the, even the finish line jump like that was massive too and they're barely even you know they're barely even trying it just pops them that easy um just because they're so high so it was good to see because yeah they're normally just a simple triple or whatever um but yeah no that that would be that's one thing too, actually, just when you said that, it kind of reminded me of one of the first times I went to a, a Supercross as a kid and it was a Speedway track just like that, but a Parramatta and you'd walk in and you're, because you're at ground level and you know, like nowadays in, in Supercrosses like, you know, Marvel Stadium or in the, the American ones, you're in a big stadium. So you're up in a, you know, stadium seat somewhere, usually level one or two sort of thing. And they're at you know, eye level or below, but it's one that you walk in and then they just, you know, the Speedway track, your ground level, they, they hit that triple you literally, like you said, you got to you throw your head back to see where they went. You know, you got to look up to them. It's 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 crazy how high they actually get off those jumps. Yeah, that's right. Um, and they were at to start with they were over jumping it because they couldn't work it out. It took them a long time to get used to the like what they actually needed to get across it and land smoothly. There was a lot of um, yeah, a lot of over jumping. So I'd say there was plenty of sore wrists uh, <laughs> Saturday night after that race. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that's just the Aussie um, guys learning tracks because that I seem to, I seem to say, see the same thing at Newcastle. There's just guys over jumping everything, trying to figure out their timing, and it it's like they just didn't have enough time to slowly take a section at a time. They had to try and just hit them all in once, and they just kept stuffing stuff up all the time. Yeah, I think though when uh, when you've got Josh Hill, who we all know what he's like when it comes to jumping whatever bike he rides, it doesn't matter. Um, he even over jumped a few times. So oh, okay, yeah. I, I think when you I think when you're all uh, you're all on the same page as him, you probably don't feel too bad. Yeah, he must be doing something right then, if he because he's he's pretty confident with those sorts of jump like big jumps. He's confident with that stuff. He's yeah. So yeah. Yeah, and he he pulled a couple of um quads out too. The track at least had a couple of options. He managed to do that one after the finish line, and there was that that odd rhythm he seemed to do. To, well, odd because it was different everybody else to start with, but he was doing that one on the, on the back straight there as well. That the couple of Mossy and I think um, Brayton ended up doing it towards the end of the night. But yeah, he managed to find some big jumps out there. Yeah, so that section over there, uh, just before the whoops, there he. I think it was probably a few laps into practice and he hit that. Um, he, you know, didn't muck around. And um, and then I think in the heat race, he must have done it again. And then when Mossy got the lead in the race one, um, he hit it just about every lap, I think, just to try and keep away from, um, from I think it was Brayton who was second at that point. Mm. Um, and, yeah, just trying to get it and Brayton wasn't hitting it um it was only probably three or four times I saw him and I think that actually led to the flat tire that he got um so then I think for the rest of the night that was it he stayed away from it um what's the go there like there's I don't know about you but I feel like there's been way too many flat tires in supercross lately (laughs) yeah well you look at um what in Melbourne I think there was maybe two or three or something like that. And then, um, yeah, Brayton's on 
Well, in Newcastle, did he have a flat? Was it a flat? No, that didn't. That ended up not being a flat for that end of the night. That was some other bike engine issue that they didn't really sort of pass over too much information about. But um, yeah, like I got, the Melbourne ones, I think were all to do with the metal ramp. But there was no metal ramps at at Wagga, so it kind of kind of a bit curious as to what's going on there. If they're just using you know cheaper. T- cheaper thinner tubes or if they're just getting a, a pinch flat somehow because of the, the casing and you know squashing the softer tire walls or something but yeah yeah no i i think Braden's was probably due to pinching a tube because he just hit that last he just didn't quite get the quad right um but yeah who knows if, um yeah it's they're on the edge all the time and you come up that little bit short and that's it, you know, bang. Gotta be <laughs> you pinch pretty, the tube and you're done. Got to be pretty scary but to be Brayton and then still have to do what he did a lap and a half or two laps or something, wasn't it, with a flat tyre? Like trying to ride yeah, a well, bike you, on a supercross track with a flat tyre can't be a good idea. No, and you could tell the difference between Newcastle and uh, and Wagga with when he slowed down now that you say that it was more a – a motor thing or whatever it was, mm. um, he was still jumping some things, not, you know, not going like doing the triple or anything like that, but the yeah. little doubles and stuff like that, he was still hitting them. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it slows you down dramatically. And when you can't hit the, hit the big things and it could have nearly cost him, like he was only one point in the end, and got yeah, tired. That, eh? that could have that could have cost him. Yeah, it got really tight there. I don't think Mossy really realised how close he got to that until they, you know, showed him the points when he, when they were sitting there at the end. But yeah, he almost got got another Australian title there. He's maybe a lap or so away from that if if it had been a bit longer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, if he'd uh, if he'd gone back any further. Um, even just one position that it would have been the title would have gone to Mossy. So, um, yeah, disappointing for us that he didn't get it. But you know, for Brayton to go five in a row, that's um, that's pretty special. Still pretty impressive, eh? And and like five in a row, but it's like with what two, three year gap in the middle from the COVID losses. But yeah, it's uh, still pretty impressive yeah. for Brayton. Yeah, and then the last two, like you know, it's one point with Mossy. And, I'm not sure how many points ended up between him and Luke Clout in 2019, but Luke Clout was leading going into that Ozex Open, yeah, yep. and and just had a, a horrible night. Um, I think he got taken out on a few of the starts because it was a triple crown format, and yeah, um, yeah no fault of his own, but you know, you say he, yeah, the last two that he's got um, were both right to the end, but he's walked away with them. Yeah, and I think I think you got yourself in a little bit of strife there, didn't you? You got a message back from your Eve about saying Brayton wasn't maybe coming back next year. Saw that on Twitter. Twitter's great for a bit of banter at times, isn't it? Yeah, no, I just said, you know, if it was me, um, you know, he's, especially with the flats and the motors and, you know, we've just, there's a few riders this week over in the US that have been pretty unlucky with um Mm. engine problem or bike problems but um you know he's the last two have come pretty close and you're at five in a row now i just said you know i think um i think that he might just say not like that's it i'm done i'm happy with what i've done and um yeah yareev had a had a little dig at me although he did say you know he's like no disrespect but 
you know, pointed out the facts. You reckon? (laughs) Yeah, pointed out the facts in 2019. You know, Brayton had broken ribs and um, whatever else, and that's you know that's all true. I said to Uribe, I said that's fine. I said you know that's all true. Um, but there was no intent for me saying you know Brayton's rubbish. He's not coming back. It was just you know if that was me, I'd be happy and I'd leave it at that. And you got to look at the other side of it too, but but like Brayton did retire from official AMA racing this year like he's got to be getting close to just hanging it up all together so yeah you you would think that's like your comment I would have said similar you know that, that he's getting older he's, he's had a few close close calls on these things why risk it you know but maybe maybe he does you just have to wait and see don't you so it's uh, yeah that's right it's yeah it's, it's just one of those things but you know like I said there was no disrespect to uh from your eve or to brayton you know it was just it's all just a bit of banter and yeah he um he said you know brayton loves australia and everyone really welcomes him when he comes here which is what we need because these american riders if they don't get that they're going to go well you know there might be money there but why bother going all the way over if you know the fans don't want to interact with us so yeah it's um yeah we need it we definitely do it makes our series a bit more legitimate too when you have a guy like brayton in the in the field you know gives gives some credibility to the aussie guys like clout like tanny you know those rides are looking pretty impressive now aren't they that you know they've got results against those sorts of guys so yeah it gives us legitimate we we need him maybe not maybe if he does retire but we need somebody like him to keep coming back and uh, you know Dean Wilson's probably going to be like that next year when he's here full time for the Aussie series for the Supercross at least. So that'll be pretty cool to have him here. Um, hopefully it all works out and he does make it here. But yeah, it's a long way off yet. Yeah, no, he um, and he's a character in himself, you know. So that's for him to come out and race the series. It's um, yeah, like like you said, we need we need someone or even a few. Um, I probably would have liked to seen Anstey in the 450 class more than the 250 class but um you know the more riders we can get out and the more sort of you know i'm sure there's kids that don't even know who these people are their parents just see that oh there's a race on this weekend we might go have a family outing they don't know who these people are and you rock up and you see dean wilson and you're like oh man i'm gonna follow this guy like you know he's he's a laugh he has fun you know straight to the socials give him a follow and you know, you've that might be your favorite rider or the kid's favorite rider for the next few years until he hangs up the boots. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the only way that the sport's going to grow. Yeah, definitely. And you touched on something interesting there about Anstey. Like, he was super fast in that 250 class, but yeah, it's kind of interesting that he was there in that class and not in the 450s. Yeah, and then uh, to switch back to what he said is he's going to be on the West Coast next year um, or come January yeah, yeah. 5th or 6th, whatever the date is. Um, I'm interested in that uh, in that move. But well, all we'll, those uh, um, rule changes too for the uh, – I don't know if you've seen that, but it only came out today, I think it was, that they were announcing the rule changes for who points out a 250 AMA stuff. So it sort of opened that gate up a bit more for a few more of the older guys to still ride – 250 class and yeah it looks like max is going to be one of those guys it'll be interesting to see if he gets any decent results out of it you know yeah they they can just ride it now pretty much as long as they want so uh for him i'm not sure 
who's, you know, we don't know yet who's riding east or west, but um, I would expect him to be, He'd be close, at wouldn't the top. He? But, yeah, I mean, if, um, yeah, I mean, if he goes against Jet, oh, that'd be, I'd like to see that. Um, <laughs> I don't think know, he's going to be but... up at Jet's pace. Like, let's be honest. Like, there's a fair bit of difference there, I would think, you know, on Supercross track yeah. at this point. Yeah, no, nah, there'll be a bit of a difference, but you know, like I'd love to see how he goes against him. Yeah, um, true. But yeah, the 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 two fifty riders over there are elite athletes, and you know, you've got, you're over there, you're racing with the best of the best. You just got to see how you go. Yeah, but he did. Uh, he did have a beat, decent crash in that. Uh, in both races, wasn't it? I think he had the the heat race there. He had to try to jump that quad that we're talking about that Hill was doing near the finish line and managed to run into the back of the guy who was in fr- in the front and leading the race. And then, then he had another crash in, I think it was off the start, wasn't it, for the uh, final race on the, for the 250 class and had to work his way through the field. But he killed that, that, main, that first main event. He got a decent start and just disappeared. Yeah, no, the uh, I think he, I think it might have been Nathan Crawford he hit the back off and went just went over the side of the berm there. But you know that's another thing. If you just a simple little crash like that and you break a wrist or something, yes. you know that's championship that, gone that's with it. one race to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, championship gone, and you know what can you do? But um, I can't actually remember whether there was one in the second heat or not, but. Um, in the second race, but yeah, he uh, he didn't get a very good start. Um, but yeah, he got all the way back up, which you know you expect him to do. But they weren't making it easy for him. No, but I think he's. I think at that point in that last race, he knew that he had he had the championship. Just ride out. He gets his money, as he said. As he said to me the other night, you know, just shaking your reef down for more money, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. But um, yeah, no, he's obviously had a good good couple of weeks here in Australia, as to money wise for him. So that's good. Yeah, no. Well, he finished fourth in that last in that last um, the final two. So um, yeah, with the bad start, didn't help. But yeah, no, I think he's. Um, He's gotten everything he can out of you, Reeve, that's for sure. <laughs> Pretty much, eh? Hey? I don't think there's much left in that piggy bank from you, Reeve, for the SX2 class on Nancy's, on Nancy's list there. So, yeah, uh, all good. Um, so a couple of other things we're going to touch on before we go. Obviously, um, Brayton won the championship. Mossy won the round. Tanny managed to get back from that concussion in Newcastle and still have a pretty good, pretty good result there. Um, you know, won that last race and... I think it was third or fourth, wasn't it, that he was uh, in that first one. So he's pretty damn close to the, um, you know, pretty good night and really a pretty good year for, for Tanny all around, winning the, the Australian Outdoors and pre- pretty close to that Supercross championship as well. And, yeah, he was it was close. Uh, I think he was a bit unlucky to go over the handlebars and, you know, get that concussion in Newcastle. Did he look um, all right he was looking... in the morning, like at, at, in the practice and stuff? Because I always wonder that first ride back, is there that timidness after a concussion or is there is everything working and functioning or you got to sort of build back into it? Did he look all right first out in the track? Yeah, so they they came out and they rolled the track. Um, they did, you know, they do a siding lap yeah. and, um, and then they were into it and he, he looked like he was taking his time, but... When I went into the pits later, I, you know, I went up and I saw him and I said, you know, how are you feeling after last week? And he goes, oh, he said, I'm bummed, but, you know, he's he was in Wagga, he could race, you know, he couldn't ask, I suppose, for a better outcome after that crash. 
Yeah, back to Zed. But he said he was well. probably only yeah, and he'd only got cleared the night before. So yeah. Um, but he said to me, he said I'm only probably racing at about like I only feel about eighty percent. Um, so if eighty percent's going out and winning the final uh, that's pretty the final good, race, pretty then good. that's uh, <laughs> that's that's pretty good. And um, you know, he was eight seconds ahead of Moss. So yeah, if eighty percent gives you that, then um, you know, we've seen what a hundred percent can do. So. Yeah, yeah he's, just really unlucky in Newcastle. I've said, yeah, exactly. I said it a few times on um, Twitter the last few weeks when he's been out doing something, you know, crazy out the front. You know, he he hasn't really got results before in Supercross. I don't think he's had any too many races for for Aussie stuff at least. And I really feel like somebody should be giving him a ride for a West Coast or something like that. You know, for a couple of rounds. Um, I think he'd surprise a lot of people over there, eh? Well, I think he did have one a few years ago and it never it never came to um i'm not sure who with but i'm sure i heard Ooh. that he did have a ride sign yeah, and it just that, never eventuated you've reminded me i think he was going to do one right before the covid stuff started and then he didn't go wasn't it because the, he didn't want to risk the you know getting in and out of the country and all that sort of business i'm pretty sure he was one there was maybe another one as well at that point was it jay wilson or something yeah, as think- well yeah, we had Luke Clout, Jay Wilson, and there was one more person that was over there. All three of them were over there at one time. Yeah. Um, but I just because I remember Luke Clout taking out Justin Cooper on one of the berms in <laughs> one of the one of the Making races. Making a statement, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, I think he did pretty well in that heat race too, but. Yeah, I can't remember who the other person was, but there was definitely yeah, those think, two over there. I think now, but like obviously he's he's made a pretty good statement this year and, and that World Supercross round, you know, in Melbourne where he got in the podium. I think if he got a couple of decent decent go at the AMA stuff, I think people would be trying to keep him around there. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if somebody – if he could get over there. I don't know what his plans are. I didn't get to ask him that when I saw him in Newcastle. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if that comes off at all. Yeah, well, I think the World Supercross definitely would have um, opened the eyes of a lot of people for him. Yeah. Um, because in Melbourne, he, you know, he killed it in Melbourne, and um, that was in front of the world stage. So, um, yeah, I'd maybe next year, like you know, depending on how the end next year goes, um, or whether there happens to be a fill-in ride, maybe pop up for East Coast or something like that. Um, mm. He might get lucky, but yeah, I think he definitely deserves it. If uh, if it comes calling, he definitely deserves it after the year he's had. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then obviously there was a pretty big injury um, in the SX3 class um, that sort of stopped and red flagged one of the races. We've been able to check in with the WBR Yamaha team there on, on Cole Davies this week. Um, you said you saw it, but... Um, we've checked in on the team and he's actually doing okay. He's been released and all that sort of stuff. So he's on the mend, which is great to hear. But you said it looked pretty ugly, pretty live, like live by the side of the track there for you? Yeah, no, it wasn't uh, wasn't a very nice crash. Um, he, you can, if you were watching on the, uh, on the coverage, you can sort of see the first part of it. Um, but he went over the bars and landed on the, on the top of the next jump and um, just the way he landed and he just, he didn't move, you know, and you just sit there going, oh, please be all right. You know, <laughs> don't have you know no, nothing major, but um, I will give props to the Wagga Motorcycle Club too, because their flag is, 
not just for that, you know, not for the accident, but all night if there was a yellow flag, the red cross flag or um, even the blue flag, they were on the ball all night. Um, I know flaggers get a lot of cop, you know, normally they cop a lot of uh, hate and stuff like that. But, mm. yeah, they were on the ball. So I'll give that to them. But, um, yeah, no, nah, they uh, they made sure that he was right and they got him onto the uh, whatever you call it. Like a mule the, is or whatever. Asterisk, so whatever yeah. it is, yeah, the the mule, uh, yeah, and they Off took him over safe, to the, yeah. yeah, the race safe mule. That's in on Asterix. <laughs> um, yeah, race safe mule, and yeah, took him over to the the truck that they've got there, and I think they took him to the hospital for you know the yeah. extra precautions. But yeah, as you said, he's all it, all it was was a concussion. So yeah, he's a very lucky boy. Yeah, no, you got out of that one pretty pretty good by the sounds of it, considering it was just a, like we say just a concussion, but you know concussion's pretty serious. But uh, at least there wasn't anything broken to go along with that. It just yeah, just has a needs a week or two, and he should be should be right as rain, which is is awesome to hear. And the few people that that reached out to see if I knew what was going on. Um, Appreciate your contacts and yeah, look, we we passed that information along to those people already. So, yeah, anybody else listening, at least you know now know he's doing all good. Um, and then yeah. yeah, so I think there was only only one other thing we had listed down here that we're talking about, and it was kind of more of a funny story than anything. But you um, you got to meet Haruki Yokoyama in the pits at one point. Yeah, so I <laughs> uh, yeah went over to him in the pits too, and I had a chat with him, and I said you know, how's the track and how's the whoops and, you know, what he thought of the heat and, and everything. And he um, he said it's hot and it's very hard, especially the whoops, they're pretty hard. But he was actually standing on a stand um, to be able to be higher than the banner um, that goes around the front of the truck so he could sign the posters for the kids and, um, <laughs> you know, talk to the people. So he's, he's really quick on the track, but just, uh, you know, that – the shortness just hurts him in the whoops. Like he'd he'd lose time in the whoops and then he'd catch it all back up on the track. But yeah, he's he's a short person, that's for sure. He's not very high, unfortunately. His legs are probably about an inch long. So that's and that's not really joking. He's very short bloke, but he's super fast on the rest of the track. Like he's he's really good. Obviously, he's lightweight, so he gets a really good start. Um, but he can corner really well. He does the rhythms pretty good. But yeah, the the whoops, he just. He's so short that as soon as he gets a bump in the back, it, it obviously the seat's going to hit him in the butt and that just kicks his feet off a lot of the time. And watching him in Newcastle was a bit bit uh, bit dangerous to watch because you just weren't sure if he was going to make the corner or not because his feet weren't on the pegs most of the time by halfway through the whoop section. I'm sure it was <laughs> the same in Wollongong. Uh, in, in Wagga, sorry. Um, but, yeah, it probably wasn't much different there. No, and you know the yeah the whoops weren't that great um, in practice and qualifying. They, they were everyone was sort of really struggling to get through them, um, even the four fifty guys. And between that and the night show, they I think they took the top off them a little bit. Yeah. And um, if you looked at them from side on, though, they, they looked like a big pillow, um, <laughs> and they just had really they were really deep in between each one. Um, and so yeah, they were. You know, it wasn't him, just him, but yeah, they were all struggling to um to get through. Um, but yeah, yeah, by the end of the night, I think everyone sort of had them under control. But um, I talked to Dylan Wills too uh, in the pits, and he said that they were, you know, after qualifying and that they just had they weren't really cupping out; they were just having holes everywhere, and 
really hard edges that had popped the back up. And so there's a few people that, you know, did that drop down into the next one and then over the bars. And um, yeah, they were definitely one of the talking points for the riders while we were walking around in the pits. Yeah. I think that goes to that whole thing. We'll talk about just a bit earlier about the track being just bigger. They, they didn't hold back on those from what I could see in Wagga for the whoops. They were a long set and a pretty decent size set. So yeah, they didn't, didn't hold back. No, they didn't. And um, but you know, bigger track, bigger whoops. That's just how it is. Yeah, definitely. Did you get to see much of the actual dirt up close? Like, did you get were you able to get out on the track at the end of the night or anything like that? <laughs> no, they didn't let us. Um, uh, there was a track walk, but I wasn't part of it. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it was. It just looked really hard and slippery from where yeah. I was. Um, and it, you know, is it the, it goes like that bluey color. Yeah, um, it gets the blue groove on top because the tire wears off on it all, shines up. Yeah, yeah, and it had that in some spots. Um, but yeah, no, it wasn't, um, they had to do a lot of work between obviously quality and that once they'd watered it down. Um, but yeah, it's still by the end of the night, it had that blue groove and mm. it, um, yeah, it was just hard and dusty. Uh, it's disappointing. I was actually, I was hoping you might have been able to get on at the end of the night there. It's actually quite surprising. The couple of, like, I got to go on the Melbourne track, you know, for, in Marble Stadium, Stadium there, and on the, the Newcastle track for track walk during the day while I was still watering and stuff. It's actually quite surprising. Like, when you watch these things on TV, the tracks look, you know, the, tr- the dirt looks really good usually because, you know, it's all prepped up and it's, it's you know, smoothed out. When you actually look at the dirt, the amount of shit that's in it is ridiculous. Like it's obviously just off job sites and stuff that they've got locally to you know to build the track and get it cheap and all that sort of stuff. So it is just there is just random crap in the dirt at times, and it's not as fantastic as you think it would be up close. So yeah, it's just a it's one you'll have to check out at some point. We'll have to get you on a track walk soon here. Yeah, we'll we'll get on there one day. But I think like the Melbourne dirt, it was it had been sifted or whatever they do to try and get all the rubbish out of it. Yeah. And I think there was still I heard that there was nails oh, in it, yeah, even yeah. though it had already been done. So when I, when I it doesn't, the it doesn't the night, surprise me. Yeah, when I walked at the end of the night, man, that you could spot the stuff. You're just walking along, you're like, Oh, look at that. Oh yeah, look at that. There's a tech screw and there's a you know, there's a nail and there's a bit of plastic bottle cap and you know, you're just like Yeah, yeah it's it's not as good as you think. Like I said, when you get up close and look at it, it's you're probably better off looking at it from the camera or from the stands. It's, it's like a like a yeah. you know, like a chick. You get up close, and you're like, ooh, I should have just kept staying, going back to the end of the field and checked you out. You know? Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, I'd, I would have liked to have seen um, Joseph Allen taste uh, taste the dirt from Wagga. That would have been good. <laughs> <laughs> he did that on TV, didn't he? He's, he's a, he gets into his uh, into his job there. Joseph does, yeah. Yeah, well, he did it in Atlanta. Um, I think it was, I don't know if it was this year or last year. And then, yeah, decided, oh, we'll just do it. Uh, we'll do it in Melbourne too. But, mm, yeah, he's yeah. a character, that guy. Not advisable on Actually, the <laughs> Yeah. Um, another thing on Anstey, I, when we were in the pits, he was outside the, um, outside the Honda tent and he was doing an interview with Lee Hogan, which you would have seen on the, oh, yeah. on the coverage. Yep. yep. And, um, you know, he's from England. He's pasty white, you know, <laughs> would hate the heat. He would have been and, burning um, up out there, wouldn't he? Yeah, he was standing there in his slides and um, he's talking to Lee Hogan and whatever. And I was right next to it. 
and um, just watching and the interview finishes and he goes, oh, so I'm going to get in the shade. I'm burning here. He said, I'm going to be on orange by the time I get out at Wagga this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> good old pommy skin. It's not It's not good for much yeah. else but burning and going bright red. Yeah. Yeah. No, he said, I'm just going to burn. So. Yeah. The, the joys of Supercross in the Aussie summer. Yep. That's what they uh that's what they miss out on in America. It's always um, they're always in the winter time over there. So yeah, you got your back, man. Yeah, I'm back. All good. I'll chop that bit out, but we'll keep going. Um, I was just saying. So yeah, so Max Nancy's burning. He's burning himself up there. But um, no, I'm not surprised. He'd, he'd probably need to stay in the under the under the awning there all all weekend. Yeah. No. Well, the um, yeah, he and Brayton and you know all the other riders were all trying to keep cool and. I actually went up to – I talked to Nathan Crawford too, and under their tent was probably the coolest one. Um, there was a breeze blowing out. They had the fans going and everything like that. So, you know, all measures were being taken to keep the riders cool because I think it ended up being 34 or 35. Um, so when the boys were doing qualifying, that's – you know, that heat's crazy. Yeah, on a Supercross track, that's pretty hard. You know, you're not getting away from that too quickly. It's not like you're getting up to top speed and – cooling down with the breeze as you go through so yeah that's that's difficult yeah that's right uh all good all right man well look now think... we, we, hmm? we we might have uh people listening at home and shaking their heads but uh tanty did actually do east coast ah. in america oh he's looking up while he's, oh, he's on the on the job here mate yeah good work all right so he's done some yeah, so he, um, I think the Circo Yamaha gave him a ride, and he, um, he went over there and did uh, six rounds. So, and he made yeah. five of the six. So, yeah, he yeah. did do it. So, sorry to those people that I, I said that I don't think it happened, but it did. So, he was the third rider. It was him, yeah. Jay Wilson, and Luke Clout. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, that makes all sense. But yeah, he's obviously had a better year this year, and I think I think if he went back again, I'd be I wouldn't be surprised if he made every main and even some top tens there, and that would just really, really turn some heads. I think he he needs to do that if he if he's got any option to do it. Yeah, it'd be good to take it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he um yeah he and he's he's uh he's worked for it, and yeah. He should be able to go for it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, all good. I appreciate you uh, finding that out before we cut off there. That was awesome. Um, all right. Yeah, no, that's fine. Well, look, let's uh, let's wrap this section of the show up. And, um, yeah, we'll have to get you. We'll, we'll give a little tease here for everybody with the um, AMA starting up in January. Obviously, we're going to run the Always Moto Fantasy League again. We're going to have the uh, Always Moto contractor coming on uh, probably for most of these shows now to uh, talk through some fantasy stuff and help build that section of, of the league up. So we'll, uh, we'll hear a bit more from Ben in the coming episodes. Yeah, no, it'll be good. Uh, it's going to be a big season, uh, especially with Ken Roxton this morning or <laughs> so, <laughs> this morning our time, but... Um, over in America, finally deciding which color of the rainbow he wanted to ride on. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's going to be a good season for fantasy. As much as I hate it, I love it. Um, but <laughs> love hate relationship. Yeah, man. love hate relationship. Yeah, 
That's right. And, you know, we're not counting down the days till Christmas. We're counting down down the days till Supercross. So <laughs> Exactly. That's the post I put up today and it's got a fair bit of response to be honest. So, no, it's uh, definitely hanging for Supercross. Can't wait. Yeah. But, yes, it, it's, a, it's a love-hate relationship fantasy. But, um, you know, the guys at Pulpamex who have built it and made it what it is um, for us to all enjoy, it's um, – yeah, it's really good. Yeah, definitely. So, look, for those listening that aren't part of the league, if you jump on that Pulp MX uh, website there for the Fantasy League, uh, for the Fantasy, and then check out the leagues and search Always Moto, you'll find us there. Uh, and you just need the password injury. So, I N J U R Y. Uh, in lowercase, and that will let you into the Always Moto Fantasy League, and then we'll have we're going to have some prizes. We don't have them all confirmed just yet, but it'll be similar to similar to last year. We're going to have Coastal Motorcycles with some uh, vouchers. We're probably going to have Goat Brand um, with some knee brace socks, uh, and we're just trying to confirm a couple other things um, that will be a bit different from from last year. Uh, that might be some goggles and maybe some tubes, but we'll uh, announce that stuff a little bit later on, probably the show before the season kicks off. So, yeah, jump in, join the league, um, and, yeah, we'll, we'll hear more from Ben over the 2023 season here on the Always Moto podcast. Yeah, it's going to be a good season, but, yeah, thanks for... Thanks for bringing me on board to do that. No, all good, man. All right, we'll uh, take a quick break here. Hi there. My name is Eldon Baker, and I'm from the Baker's Factory, and you're listening to Always Motor. All right, guys and girls, we're back. Let's jump into the emergency department now. The emergency department. All the injuries, all the gory details, and when they'll be back on track. It's the list you really don't want to be on. It definitely is not the list you want to join, unfortunately. But lots of guys are joining it and not uh, on their free will, probably. Unfortunately, uh, another big crash uh, was seen in the uh, Oz, Oz Oz Supercross there at that final round at Wagga. Um, we had a few people reaching out to us to see if we had any information on that. And we have got back to those guys direct. Um, but we have also, we did provide a little update on that earlier there in that chat with the Always Motor contractor, Big Ben. Um, Cole Davies in that SX3 class had a big one, was seen on the track, you know, for quite a while there, not moving, uh, red flag and all that sort of jazz. Um, and yeah, obviously it concerned a few of the spectators out there because a few of you have reached out to me. I managed to chat, catch up with the WBR Yamaha team uh, shortly afterwards. Um, I think it was on... I think that was on Sunday or Monday. I can't recall which day it was there that we actually chatted. No, it was definitely Monday, definitely Monday. Um, and they were, let, they were kind enough to let us know that Cole is actually doing quite well. They saw him in the hospital that night, but he was already up talking. Uh, remembered the accident even, which is impressive. So he's obviously got a different type of concussion. Um, there's obviously different grades and different um, parts that you lose depending on which part of the head you knock. So he obviously could remember it, uh, was talking, was hungry, all that sort of stuff. So that was all good, good signs. And he was going to be released shortly after. Um, so he was uh, on the mend pretty quickly there. And they even said that he was going to be flying back to his homeland in New Zealand. Um, probably by the time you hear this, he should be sitting at home on the couch, probably having a rest up. So that's really good to hear from Cole. And yeah, just nice to be able to provide some positive information there. And, and obviously, you know, having you guys check in concerned, it's nice to be able to fill you guys in as well. So please. Please, I really like that you guys are reaching out to us here as the uh, you know the injury experts in this in the in the field. 
Um, so please continue to do so. We'll we'll try and provide that information wherever we can. Um, but always just you know keep the keep the, the ears on the Always Moto podcast and be able to fill you guys in with that stuff. That was the main sort of injury that came out of the round that we've been able to see uh, so far. Uh, we've checked in with a few people just to see where they were up to. We had some messages with um, Hicks and McInnes, who we, we spoke about um, on the last show, having some issues at Newcastle, said he was going to ride Wagga and then sort of did but sort of didn't. And I, I sort of checked in with him to make sure that he was all good. And it was actually a bike issue that kept him out of the second part of the night there. So that was uh, good to know, good good in a way. It wasn't a physical injury. You know, bike can obviously be repaired a bit easier than a, than a body. So it was nice to know that it wasn't any issues lingering from Newcastle that kept him out there. Uh, which was good. We also checked in with uh, Tristan Duncan because he had a couple of uh, he had DNF there as well in the in the night show. But he's told us that he's all good as well. No injury from himself, so that was nice to hear as well. Um, and just an update on a couple of other things. So obviously we had the big injury lists there throughout the series for the Australian Supercross, which you can hear the other hear that list a bit more on our other shows. Uh, but we had a check in with Ryan Kolenberg. He was the one who's had a broken heel in Newcastle. He's since had surgery and he sent me through the images of his x-ray this week. Uh, we're just having a bit of a chat about things and he's got a lot of metal popped into that heel of his and it's not going to be a fun 8 to 12 weeks for him whilst he's in a boot. Um, I think he said he's in a half cast at the moment. That will probably change to a strap-on, strap-off moon boot style that a lot of you out there would be familiar with. Um, and he's going to be a non-weight-bearing for about 8 to 12 weeks uh, because the heels are just... We said this on the previous show, but heels are notoriously bad at healing, pun intended. Uh, and yeah, so look, he's going to have a rough few weeks here ahead of him, but hopefully he'll be all good, ready to go. We've seen that Ozpro Motocross Series uh, announcement for the calendar coming out the other day. So it's going to be early March that's kicking off. So a lot of these guys are going to be focusing on that as their recovery point. So they've got about... Well, we're probably just under three months to get ready for a lot of these guys, which should be plenty of time for them to be back fit and healthy by that point. So, yeah, like we said, big list this year in the Australian Supercross uh, of injuries for four rounds. It was a rough couple of rounds there for a lot of these guys, but hopefully this will be a bit of a, you know, baptism by fire. It's been three years since we've had a Supercross series. A lot of them now will know what to expect for next year, and hopefully they'll be a lot more prepared, have a bit better practice, probably have better um, home practice tracks built so they can practice more of these obstacles in a bit more of a you know race simulation like race track style not just a you know little home back background track there so hopefully we see less injuries in 2023 but hopefully we just see the series back as a regular fixture with more events uh, more popularity all those sorts of good things to keep this series on the road and going strong Let's switch gears a little bit and go to the AMA list, which we are mostly known for here. Obviously, we've been covering World Supercross and Australian Supercross lately because it's off-season for the AMA stuff, which it's now obviously following our chat with uh, Alden Baker on a couple of episodes ago. So go and check that out if you haven't heard it already. Uh, But we were chatting to Alden there about the preseason kicking off at the beginning of November. Well, it's been a couple of weeks into the into the preseason training for a lot of these guys now, and unfortunately, we've got a few people joining the injured list already, which is not a great thing. Um, you would have seen a few of these going around on Instagram and social media there. So we've had Carson Mumford from that Bar X Suzuki team. Unfortunately, he's got a wrist fracture, uh, which was pretty significant. He had a nice big step in that arm, and he's had surgery on that already. So we're going to try and check in with him next week and try and get him on the next episode of the podcast. 
Justin Rodbell as well, unfortunately, ha- is on that injured list and he is likely out for all of Supercross at this stage. He has an Achilles rupture. Again, we're talking with Justin. Hopefully, we'll get him on the podcast in the coming episodes as well. The big ones and the scary ones that are on this list already, unfortunately, um, Brandon Hartraft, multiple injuries. Uh, and I'll just get Brandon's list up correctly here so we make sure we say all the right details. But uh, he hasn't had a good time. It actually, some of the images of him on the on his social page uh, kind of remind me of my own accident back in July. A bit of a similar scenario here. Not all the same injuries, but um, kind of similar sort of list here. Uh, so, so reading out of uh, from him, he had an L1, L2 end plate fracture, L3, L4 transverse process fracture, L1 and th- one to three spinous process fracture, left hip dislocation, right rib fractures on the rib five and seven, uh, right scapular fracture, right hemothorax, which is a lung collapse uh, with a chest tube placement. Now. Like I said, similar to myself, I had a broken scapula, I had a broken collarbone, had two broken ribs, broken hip, um, had a T8, which is a thoracic vertebrae, um, a disc issue, and we we're scanning for fractures there, which I'm still not convinced. That I've got a couple of images that show show there was a fracture, but then nobody actually listed it anyway. But um, but yeah, so and and like the chest tube bit, like I had the pulmonary embolism, I ended up with. Um, pneumonia so yeah it's all a kind of similar scenario obviously brandon's back injuries are a lot more um, in depth there than than i had but yeah just the whole pictures that have the way he's on the bed and getting transported in the jets to to rehab and stuff i had similar sort of things out of single flight from mildura to melbourne so yeah brought back some memories but yeah look brandon's not doing fantastic there is road to recovery for him as well are looking after some of or trying to look after the medical so if anyone out there can donate please jump over onto the road to recovery uh, instagram and you'll find the links to get to donate to all the injured riders but particularly brandon in this instance now just wanted to quickly touch on and this comes up with the next injury on this list as well so we got kyle greason uh, privateer who is also got a back injury he has a burst fracture of an l3 vertebrae so i wanted to touch on while we're here with all these lumbar uh, you know vertebral fractures what's the difference for all of these ones and, what, and kind of a little bit of what they mean so if we go firstly through brandon's ones and go the end plate fractures now that means that the piece of bone so if you if anyone knows or even want to look up while, while we're talking about this on google if you just search of lumbar vertebrae and get an image up, you'll get this little block, you'll get the opening of the canal at the back where the spinal cord goes through, and you'll have these little spikes that stick off in different directions. And one, if you run your finger up your back, you'll feel you'll feel all the bumps as you go up your spine. That's the spinous process. The ones that you won't feel that stick sideways into your back, uh, which is where all your muscles will attach for um, different movements from your, from your back, they're the transverse processes. So the end plate is actually part of the block part of the, the vertebral body. It's the bottom section or the top section that touches the actual disc that goes into that next space before the next vertebrae. So when you break the end plate off, it's, it's a serious injury. It's to the body of the vertebrae. Um, and that can shift as well depending on if it's a displaced or un, undisplaced. Uh, undisplaced meaning it's still right next to where it should be. It's just detached from the from the, the main part displaced means it's moved away from the fract from the main body of the vertebrae 
and potentially is going elsewhere. And they're the displaced ones are the ones that are concerning when we're talking spinal cords because they can end up in the spinal cord, impacting it, severing it, all those really nasty things that we don't like to talk about. So that, so that one's a difficult one to deal with and that will require usually surgery. And when we talk surgery for stabilizing a vertebral fracture, we're talking generally about fusions where they screw the, 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 the bone back together, yes, but then they screw that vertebrae to the level above and below the, ver- the vertebrae above and below the injured one um, as a stabilizing mechanism. So you then lose some range of motion in your spine in that area because you've obviously made three vertebrae into one you made it a big block rather than all being individual segments that move independently so yeah so the for the burst for the end plate fracture that's required the same thing for the burst fracture it's similar Um, they have to do the same sort of surgery they will stabilize that vertebrae together they'll screw it back together itself but then they'll stabilize it above and below um, to as a fusion to make it stable now the burst fracture itself is different it's the vertebral body again but it can be right through the body. And when it says burst, it usually means that there's multiple pieces of that body of the vertebrae that are broken into it. It's not just in, say, two pieces. It's in three or four pieces, which makes it more difficult. And also more difficult, again, for the spinal cord injuries themselves because there's more multiple pieces going around. They usually go in different directions. Uh, And, yeah, it can be quite difficult. It sounds like both Kyle and Brandon at this stage um, might have had minor bits and pieces with sensation issues along the injury because that's what happens when the inflammation all kicks in. But they all sound, they've all got videos um, so far that I've ever seen of them up and about, um, obviously not moving like they normally would. Um, they're being assisted around, but they're using all those normal functions, which is fantastic. They are both going to have a decent recovery time. I wouldn't put a timetable on it, but we're going to be talking sort of that you know, five months, six months thereabouts for this to sort of all come back around to a point where they're getting comfortable again, um, strengthened back again. But it's all a matter of time. Each Everybody's injury is different, right? You can't compare anybody to anybody else. Even if the injury is technically the same, they're all slightly different and everybody has different experiences, different past histories. So when anybody starts comparing, oh, I had a, I had that back injury as well and I you know, had this length of time recovery, you'll be fine. It's unfortunately a lot of bullshit uh, and you can't compare it because there is no such thing as apples to apples in an injury sense. Uh, they are not the same people to people. Everybody is unique and every injury is unique and that scenario does not carry over from one person to another to tell you that that injury will be the same time frame. They may end up being similar time frames but you won't have the same recovery path and you won't have the same recovery outcome. Everybody will be different. So don't compare anybody. That's my message, right? So those couple of different fractures. Now, this, the, the transverse process and the spinous process, they're the spiky bits at the back. If you're looking at that Google image like we told you to before, the one that you can feel out your back is a spinous process. They're a m- bit more of a minor vertebral fracture injury because they're not going to impact anything to do with the cord. They're still... Um, still significant it's still a fracture but it's nothing like the burst or the end plate fracture um, or even a wedge fracture um, of the vertebral body as well those are more serious as well so spinous process is okay um, minor but okay it will recover in that sort of four to six weeks same with the transverse process fracture it'll be four to six weeks where they will, re- will heal 
the issue for um, Brandon in particular, and similar like I had myself with these multiple fractures throughout your body, each individual one will take that four to six weeks if it was in isolation. But when you have multiple fractures around your body from the one incident, it takes longer because your body's got to repair multiple sites at once. So we start talking more eight to 12 weeks for those fractures to be fully healed because the body's got to work even harder to repair everything else that's going on as well. There's only so much blood to go around essentially. Um, so yeah, so it's going to take a little bit longer. But ideally those transverse and spinous process fractures, they're only if there was only one or two of those in one area, they'd only be a four to six week recovery time frame. Um, so yeah, so something to consider there. But that's just so a little bit more information for you guys and girls out there listening to the show to help understand what type of fractures these guys have. And like I said, to not compare them to other people's fractures because they won't be the same scenarios. You can have the similar sort of things. You, everybody will say, oh, I've got a broken vertebra. But there's about 20 or more different ways you can break that vertebra and they all mean 20 different things and they'll have 20 different recovery timeframes. So just some more information there for you guys and girls. All right, also on the list, so we've so far we've had Carson Mumford, Justin Rodbell, Brandon Hartraft, Kyle Greesom. Unfortunately, we've also heard about Garrett, Garrett Marchbanks from Club MX having a wrist fracture. Um, we haven't got too many details on there, but we're, we're trying to find out some more on him. He's been identified as maybe moving to the East Coast um, for the Lights Supercross, which would give him a bit of time to be ready. Um, but it'll be probably touch and go as to how much bike time he gets there before that actually happens. So again, so long as his injury recovery process actually takes the um, normal time frame, but he should be fine by that point. Uh, and another one to join that list with a similar sort of thing, uh, another wrist fracture is Noah Viney, who was going to make his debut this year in uh, AMA Supercross. He has also had surgery on that wrist. And if you check out his social medias, we've been in touch with him. Uh, he is doing okay, but yeah, obviously disappointed that he's going to miss out. He was planning to do West, I believe. So he might be back later on, see what his team wants to do. He might do East Coast. Uh, he might just skip Supercross this year. We'll have to wait and see. He might just do the uh, outdoors, but uh, yeah. Unfortunately, we've already got, what's that, six guys on the list uh, for 2023 injuries. Uh, so six preseason injuries so far, and we still have about a month to go until Supercross kicks off. So there's still a month worth of injuries still to be heard yet, unfortunately. Uh, and that would sort of fit with that sort of 10 to 20 range of injuries before the season kicks off that we had in the last last year. The year before, we didn't have so many. But uh, yeah, last year, we definitely had about this amount, which was about the normal um, pre-season time period. Whereas in the past few years before that, we had some issues, obviously, with COVID and, and seasons and whatnot, finishing at different points than normal. But yeah, so this is sort of fitting into that normal pattern, unfortunately. But those are the guys on the list for the AMA. Uh, we'll be keeping a bit more eye on that now, obviously with the Australian Supercross and World Supercross all finished up, but that's where that's up to for this stage. So that's the emergency department for episode 39 of the Always Moto podcast. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back with Dave's diatribe. Hey, this is Brett Metcalf. You're listening to Always Moto podcast. All right, guys and girls, we're back. Let's get into Dave's diatribe. This is Dave's diatribe. What's a diatribe? Diatribe is a forceful and bitter attack against someone or something. So keep your head down. You might be next. That's right, you could be next. I love doing that part. We could be next. You never know who we're going to go after. But I thought we'd drop into something um, a bit comical, a bit, uh, you know, 
I'm going to do it over you, tit for tat sort of thing. Uh, it's the that's what's come out this today. Even I think we we just come out this morning since we've done this recording. Is the World Supercross announcement for the 2023 series that they've now got six rounds for, which is fantastic. I'm glad they've increased it. I thought they were going to have maybe eight or nine or ten. Um, they've come out with six, and it, again, please note this is a provisional calendar. It even says provisional on their uh, on their announcement here on their own website. Where does it say it? It was when when you clicked on it uh, from their from the yeah. There we go. World Championship provisional calendar announced eighth of December. Now, I'm glad it's out. It's awesome. But the diatribe part of this is that why the F do we have to have these rounds on the same rounds as the AMA? If you only got six of them, why can't we find the off weekends and make it so these guys could potentially do both? Now, I know that's comical because there's no way in the world that the AMA is going to allow the guys to do both of these rounds. That's why they sort of made the changes in terms of the prize money increases that they had, the extra rounds for their super motocross that they've now got. It's all sort of based on this World Supercross coming about, which you know kind of pisses me off that you want to be able to have these guys accessible to both. Um, and it's kind of difficult as to where they've now done this calendar. And this World Supercross calendar is quite stretched out, and I'm wondering if there's going to be more things put in or even potentially things disappearing if they can't quite confirm the last details of the contract or something along the way. They obviously needed to get this out so that teams can start preparing and start being ready and having riders signed properly um, and deals all in place and better sponsorships and all that sort of stuff. So they've obviously done the right part there by getting it out. But this uh, calendar, which I'll read out to you guys now, is yeah just a bit, bit frustrating and I'll show you why as we go along. So the first round for the World Supercross is going to be on um, the 1st of July at in a, it's a, the British GP. The second round is going to be on the 22nd of July as the French GP. Third round is going to be in uh, the 30th of September, which is the Asian GP. Then we're going to go to Germany on the 14th of October. And then it will be the 28th of October for the Canadian GP. And we're going to finish in Melbourne at Marvel Stadium for the 24th and 25th of November um, for the Australian GP. Now, those are all fine, but here's where we get some crossover. The opening round in Britain, 1st of July, well, that's Red Bud. So, you know, brown, brown. 22nd of July, the French GP, that's Washougal. The 14th of October, the German GP which would be awesome to have the German world champion, Ken Roxon at, and I'm sure he's going to be dying to be at that round. It's the finale of the uh, Super Motocross Championship playoff series at the LA Coliseum. So how does this go? What do we see happen here? Does that world champion, Ken Roxon for Supercross, who's just signed that HEP Suzuki deal, who actually coincidentally is the PMG or Pipes Motorsport Group in the World Supercross series, do we see him drop out of the Super Motocross series to go and do the German GP? I can't answer that. It's it just it it's silly. It's it's unfathomable that if he makes it through all those AMA rounds, that he would miss the final round and miss out on all that money to go and do that one race in the German, which he would probably love to go and do because he's probably never had a German Supercross GP or just German Supercross worth his time that he can go and do. And not only can he then turn up and have the number one plate on as well. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm sure the world Supercross guys would pay him well to be there, but 
yeah, how did, why did they do this? Like, why couldn't that 14th GP, and obviously there's more at play here, there's, you know, stadium availability, um, you know, government availability of dates for fundings for these World Supercross rounds and, and logistics of transport and, and so many other things. But why couldn't it be the week later once that World, uh, once the Super Motocross Series is finished? It just doesn't make any sense. But it does obviously to somebody. But it's just not me. But it just would be nice if those dates could have been on slightly different days to allow them to be at both places. Um, and I just don't see how that will ever happen because these are two these two entities are going to keep fighting and playing tit for tat with each other. But yeah, that's my diatribe for this week here on the Always Moto podcast. All right, let's let's wrap up this show. Uh, we're going to make a quick another mention about Pulp MX Fantasy League that's coming up. So we've got the Always Motor Fantasy League, as we spoke about with the Always Motor contractor earlier in the show. Uh, but we are going to see... So we heard on the Pulp MX show itself the other night that there's going to be an announcement about the new series uh, coming up here in the next few weeks. So please jump into the Always Moto League, use the password INJURY in lowercase and join our league. Uh, and you can play along with all of our Always Moto players. We're going to have prizes, as we mentioned earlier, as we have done in the past. Um, but yeah, jump in, join the fun, and then we'll have um, a segment of it all along the way. We're going to try and include some of the listeners out there and players out there in that along the way, as well as the Always Moto contractor. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of fun. Join the league, Always Moto Fantasy League on Pulp MX. All right, so great show this week. Um, no interview, unfortunately. We're just going to uh, wrap it up here. We are uh, just a reminder next week I'm going for surgery. So there might be no show next week, but hopefully we'll be back the week after and we'll be getting some more content about those AMA injuries uh, and potentially some other interviews along the way. So thanks for listening, guys and girls. Don't forget to send in those T-shirt orders. Don't forget to donate to the show via PayPal. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things injury in moto. Search Always Moto and then follow and subscribe. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast feed. Don't miss a single episode of the podcast and make sure that if your podcast app allows, leave us a rating. It helps us gain more followers, gain more traction. So please leave a rating on your podcast app. It will mean the world to us. Thank you very much for doing that if you have already. Uh, and don't forget to check out all of our written content over on fullnoise.com.au. But that's it for another show. Thanks to Polar Australia and Slantboard Guy for the support. Uh, but remember, you've got to be smooth to be fast because if you're not, I will probably be seeing you deep in the emergency department, maybe even the clinic, having strapping tape thrown wherever it sticks. See you later, guys and girls.